I'm Effie Parks. Welcome to Once Upon a Jane, the podcast. This is a place I created for us to connect and share the stories of our not-so-typical lives. Raising kids who are born with rare genetic syndromes and other types of disabilities can feel pretty isolating. What I know for sure is that when we can hear the triumphs and challenges from others who get it, we can find a lot more laughter, a lot more hope, and feel a lot less alone. I believe there are some magical healing powers that can happen for all of us through sharing our stories, and I'll take all the help I can get. Once Upon a Gene is proud to be part of Bloodstream Media. Living in a family affected by rare and chronic illness can be isolating, and sometimes the best medicine is connecting to the voices of people who share your experience. This is why Bloodstream Media produces podcasts, blogs, and other forms of content for patients, families, and clinicians impacted by rare and chronic diseases. Visit bloodstreammedia.com to learn more. Hello, friends, and welcome back to the show. I'm so grateful that you're here with me, and I'm just so happy that I get to put another episode out into the world. Real quick housekeeping, please head over to Discord, download the app on your phone, and join our rare and relatable chat that my pals Bo and Daniel from the Disorder Channel and I started together. It's a vibrant community that is growing every day. Thanks to most of the members inside, actually. It's a Discord's a nerdy platform, but that way it keeps it all organized. We have a bunch of different threads on topics from grief, mental health, hospital hacks, and even a room for a pep talk if that's what you need. Also, on Rare Disease Day, the last day of February, we are hosting a live Q&A with some awesome experts and advocates. I hope you can tune in to ask questions or just read along and follow. The link is in the show notes, or you can send me a message and I'll personally deliver it to you. I have such a super cool chick on the podcast today. I met her in a random clubhouse room a year or so ago. She's the co-founder of hellosleuth.com. It's a place where they gather stories and information directly from parents who are raising kids like us. Uh, It's a smart technology where they help each other identify solutions, resources, and cures. It's a growing crew of parents working together for better answers. Check it out in the show notes. We're not talking about sleuth today, though. We are talking about trauma from uncertainty with the medical system and hospital stays. She said something a while ago that I, I was shook. She said, our children's health is women's health. Mm. You two dads, caregivers, let's dig in. She's real and she is honest in her explanations and I love it. Please enjoy my conversation with Serene Noor Ali. Hi, Serene. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Effie. So good to be here. Yes, it's so good to be here. You're one of those people that I met on Clubhouse way back in the beginning (laughs) when I discovered it. And what a funny place to meet you. And I'm just so glad I did. I see you everywhere and you have some exciting stuff that hopefully we can talk about a little bit, at least plug. But to introduce you to everybody, give me a little background. Yeah. So I guess the most important thing about me is that I'm a mom of two little girls. They're seven and four. And I am an entrepreneur that has started a technology startup based on what I went through with my younger daughter, who has some atypical medical things going on called sleuth. So a lot of momming, a lot of entrepreneuring, not a lot of sleep. Yep. Yep. Everyone gets that for sure. Yeah. So Sleuth is pretty cool. We'll definitely put it in the show notes and go into it if we have time today. 
but it's basically a place for caregivers to go to and get information that's been vetted and, you know, insight from parents rather than just going to random Facebook groups and just kind of having to dig on your own through the massive world of all the things. Exactly. Um, Yeah. So very cool. Check it out in the show notes and find her on Instagram for sure. But today we're actually going to talk about something that has been a part of your life for a while, but especially over the last couple months. I know your daughter was inpatient and Mm -hmm. that was a that was quite a traumatic experience. Yeah. This time, maybe all the times, maybe more so. Yeah. So, yeah, I kind of want to talk about that because I watched your stories every day and it was just like breaking my heart. (laughs) And it was also like, yeah. Yep, that's that's totally just the way that it is sometimes. And it's a crazy maker. I want to talk about two things. I want to talk about the medical trauma that you've endured and maybe even your daughter's endured. And I also want to talk about something you said that was so interesting to me that our children's health is also women's health. Oh, yeah. I feel so strongly about that. Well, it's kind of funny because I am sitting on a seat in a co-working space where the last time I sat here was when I found out about my daughter's diagnosis. So a lot of things this week particularly are triggering for me. So trauma is right up my alley. The medical trauma is an interesting situation. So I talked to my therapist yesterday and I was just in tears about it. And I was like, I didn't, I don't get it. Like I, I didn't see it coming. And that might sound so strange. You know, we were hospitalized for two and a half months. We were not supposed to be hospitalized for that long. We were supposed to go, she was getting a really major surgery, but we were supposed to be home five days later. We not only, you know, stayed in the hospital longer for her recovery, but we went into inpatient rehab for a while and it wasn't anywhere close to our home. So our family separated. And then we came back and she got a second surgery before she could go home. So I had kind of had all these tools and resources that I cultivated when I found out that she was going to have surgery and they served me well. And I was kind of very with it and okay. We got home on Halloween and about you know, seven days later, I started to fray at the edges. Like I thought I was PMSing. I thought, you know, I'm just, I'm emotional because my hormones are different or whatever. But it turns out actually I realized 10 days ago that I'm actually fairly traumatized. Interestingly, my daughter's trauma, I think is getting better. And so there, I have kind of relief about that that we're opposite right now in our recovery. Well, I think that goes to the kids are plastic and more resilient. Thank the Lord. Yeah. Um, What about this situation that you've been through over those couple surgeries in the last couple months? Do you feel contributed most to the way that you're feeling now? I was not prepared. I think that's the one thing that I keep thinking over and over again. You know, you know, like you kind of, want a sense of control, but none of us have it, but you still want a sense of control. I thought we'd be home. I made all these plans. I had already had to cancel this kind of like, you know, post COVID vacation for the family where it would be like a cathartic relief. Like we had all, everything had already gotten scrapped. And so I was dealing with this upending of my life to only get upended again, even in the new normal of her needing surgery. So I feel like, oh my God, how did I get here? I feel it a lot. You know, like we were supposed to be back by the end of August 
and like do slow recovery at home. One of the things that happened was that um, she lost her swallow function, so she can't eat. So she's completely G-tube fed. That wasn't supposed to happen. And I think reconciling that while trying to act normal has really contributed to my at least cognitive dissonance, if not trauma. Oh, man. I talk about that a lot for myself uh, about the beginning, like maybe first year or two with Ford about making things normal and pretending that everything's okay and trying to go with the flow and how much that contributed to my own trauma. Yeah, that's exactly it. It's no joke. It's not. It's not. <laughs> no. I love what you said about the control. And I I, th I don't know where I heard it, but just this week I heard the one thing that you have to learn about control is that there is none. <laughs> and once you realize that there is none, you're free. Have you gotten there yet? Because I, I, it's like, <laughs> you know, I keep thinking about my parenthood journey. And like, I keep thinking I got some of these lessons down pat. Like, no, I got that. Like, let's move on to the next lesson. And the same lesson keeps repeating itself. <laughs> and I'm like, this is so hard. Yeah. I don't know. It's so annoying. I know. I, so think, I think in our brains, no, to answer your question, I haven't gotten there. But I do think that for brains like yours, you know, this entrepreneurial spirit, this like tech savvy sort of brain that you have, that the control is probably a lot harder for you to give up than me. Because you fix things and you make things and you create things. So I don't know. And then you're, yeah, maybe. I don't, maybe. I don't, I don't know. I think as a parent, all of us want control, right? And, and I, I think for medical parents, you kind of have to take control, right? Because you're constantly advocating. So there's all these situations where no one seems like they know what they're doing. And you're like, fine, if no one's going to be the adult in the room who makes decisions, then that'll just have to be me. And like, then how do you switch on and off? You know? Yeah, it really doesn't make sense. And you're right. You're supposed to just kind of understand that concept, but then you have to take the reins and you have to rely on a system that has maybe hurt you. Yeah. And you have to trust a doctor that betrayed you or whatever, but because you have no choice or you have nowhere else to go, or maybe you don't know how to advocate and it kind of just perpetuates it. Yeah. Totally. And then you're expected to like turn on and off, right? And go to work. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> blow dry it and blow dry your hair. Yeah, yes. that's not happening. <laughs> I'm so glad this is a podcast and not a video, let me just say. <laughs> oh, that's what I always tell people. They're like, is this video? I'm like, I would never do that to caregivers. No, it's not. <laughs> I love it. You don't have to show up to the table like that. So, would you say that before this last admittance or inpatient, whatever, that you had your guard up in, in the medical appointments or in procedures or that since this experience, this last time, that it's up more so? You know, I am so burnt out. I can't even think straight. So like, I think the difference right now is that when we have, like we have a doctor's appointment tomorrow. And like, I just dread it with every sense of my being. And in fact, what's happened is my guard is down a little bit because I've been beaten by such bad information for the past, you know, five months that it's like, okay, what else can you tell me? That's really going to affect me more than what you've already told me. So it's like a, it's a dread 
And I think one of the things I realized, this is actually really sad. I think that maybe we expected too much from the medical system. And so now when I go into doctor's appointments, I'm like, do I, am I expecting too much? Like, should I just chill out a little bit? And I don't know how to explain it. Like if part of it is burnout and part of it is, well, what, what can I reasonably expect in terms of answers and next steps? Because so much of this has been, we don't know, only time will tell. I think that's actually a really important question to ask. Like the point about like what to expect. Yeah. Are we expecting too much? What are the reasonable outcomes? But then again, it's like, yeah, is it just like stomping on my hope? Yeah. And, you know, the thing that I didn't appreciate, like, you know, I started this children's health company when I only know half, half of my daughter's story. Right. And then like all of a sudden part of her story came dumping down on us this summer. One of the things I realized is like doctors genuinely don't know. Like, I, I didn't know that, actually. I know this sounds really silly, but I started to understand that, like, they couldn't give me answers because they really just couldn't give me answers because her body was an N of one. And so it's like, what are you going to compare? Like, we don't know her body well enough yet because she's four years old, right? So we went to the ENT, app, you know, after we got out of the hospital, we had, like, several appointments. And one of the things that happened, so... She had a paralyzed vocal cord pre-surgery and that vocal cord started moving again. And like the ENT was like, I've seen so many things happen to kids that I couldn't have predicted. I was like, oh, okay. So like now we're back full circle onto dealing with uncertainty, right? And it's a very weird, weird place to be because in some hand, like in some aspects it's reassuring because it's, everything is a possibility. But when everything is a possibility, that can also hurt you, right? That's how we got where we are right now with my daughter. Like the thing that she ended up having was it's so rare, but it is what happened. And so like, I just leave this whole hospital experience being like really kind of mentally, I feel like my, my brain is soup sometimes. Yeah, I totally get that. And just the aspect of like flip-flopping for lack of a better term. Yeah, Definitely something that contributes to ultimate burnout and just constantly being on a tightrope, right? And having to make these decisions and not really knowing if you should be or if you're doing it right and not having the guidance necessarily from a professional to do it either. Yeah. And that's why this, this point that I messaged you once about children's health being like women's health is so important to me because we're still the main caregivers, right? Women, mothers of our children. And it impacts our workplace. Like I had to leave my job because of my daughter's health. Almost everyone I know that has a child with medical leads has had to leave their job. And like, I wish people would talk about that more. When the mother then like is not salary generating and they were before, you also have like a huge loss of identity. You have mental health challenges. I haven't been to the doctor for myself I hadn't been for like a year and a half. I haven't gone to the dentist, haven't gone to the OBGYN, hadn't got like a checkup. I had to basically scream my way to get into a blood, a blood test, you know? And it's like, but it matters. Like we're not talking about it, but like if I can't function for myself and for my family, there is a direct impact on everyone, including a child. 
hundred percent. I mean, it's the front line and it's almost like something you can't necessarily say in terms this black and white, but like my health is more important because yeah. Yeah. I have to be here. Yeah. I have to be here and incorporating, taking care of ourselves, going to the doctor, going to the dentist, doing that stuff and thinking about that as our self-care. Yeah. And it's not self-care, right? It's not just like, it's not like, please send me for a massage, which would be amazing and is important, but it's like, it's literally your health. It's literal self-care. It's the real kind. Yeah. It's it's not the glamorized kind that, that everyone thinks it is. It's actually making sure we're healthy. It's making sure we're sustaining a baseline. It's functioning outside of our chaos yeah that we live in it is critical like I don't I don't know how other way to function if like you know I have like hypothyroid like if my thyroid is off like I'm too tired to play with my kids right and I think more importantly not more importantly but the thing that makes me think this more is like kids mental health right now right and though it's a symbiotic relationship right it's, it's like we play off of each other when my when my daughter sees me upset, she gets completely dysregulated, both my kids. And of course, like, you know, I had an episode last week where I, I, I did have a mental breakdown from the trauma and my kids are kind of looking at me like, oh my God, mom's not okay. Like, yeah, no, actually mom's not okay. <laughs> Man, these are hard, hard spots to be in. And I agree with you that we're not talking about it as much as we should be. And opening the doors to those really dark rooms that we're all visiting. But why are we so afraid of the dark? I don't know. You know, I don't know if it's like just the systems that are passed down on us in not knowing how to explain ourselves or necessarily cope properly or bring other people in and let them help carry the burden. Or if it's if we go there what about all the other stuff that we have to take care of? Like, who's going to take care of it? Is yeah. everything going to explode? Am I going to finally lose my job because I had to go to another medical appointment and God forbid for myself? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I think it's just, I think it's so much noise coming in from so many angles that eventually parts of you just go numb. Yeah, I think you're right. I, I, I just... It's funny. I think the thing that I was trying to like share is that, you know, everyone is talking about moms in the workplace and moms of that. And I'm like, what about moms of sick children? Moms of sick children in the workplace. Yeah. Like, I, I don't get it. Like, we are kind of people. I kind of want to say it's really bad for us, you know? Well, and it's also like there should be some part of this as a coordinated care that like it's not just our kids that the, that is the patient. It's the whole family. Yeah, I've seen attempts at that model at the hospital, but I realized that I had to advocate for myself a lot. And when I did, they responded to it. Like our child life specialist, I was like, I need you to help me not have to be around 24 seven because I need space. And then she told all the nurses, she's like, you know what? Mom needs a break. You need to watch her when she's back from therapy. And it's like, oh, okay, maybe I can advocate for myself and maybe the health system will respond. And I, and I saw that a little bit, to be fair. I did. All hail the child life specialists. <laughs> I know. But another thing that some people don't even know exists, you know, and some 
medical professionals won't necessarily call them into the room unless you ask. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, I don't know. It's almost like I always think about like, what would you, what could we tell newer parents? Like I consider you a parent who's seasoned. You've been there, done that. You're the kind of parent that I would be like, can you tell me everything you know? But you don't know what you don't know. And I think that often as moms, we don't know that it's okay to say, hey, listen, like, this is really, really tough for me. Like, help me. And I think that's the thing that I have learned that I had to learn, which was, oh my God, help me. And I've told my husband, I've told my parents, I've told my, like, literally, I was like, I am not okay. I know you, I know I look okay. I know I look okay to 99% of the people, but I am okay because I have children to take care of and I know how to regulate myself. But there is a big part of me that's traumatized and I need to let you know. Like I have two friends who just had babies and I'm seeing them soon. And like, I already, like I have a speech. I'm like, I look normal. I'm not okay all the time. Right. And it's like, what do I lose by saying that? Like what my kid has gone through is so severe that literally people shudder when I tell them what happened to her. So like, it makes sense that I'd be traumatized. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why we want to make everyone more comfortable, right? And not not let them see yeah. for their own good or to have those weak moments. But that's so brave. That's so courageous. That's such a that's such a breakthrough moment when we can go oh my God, I'm not okay. And I need to ask for help. This is a new way of my, this is a new part of my life. This is part of my toolkit. Asking for help is a tool rather than asking for help is a, you know, like a pat and a bandage for you and a coddle, but it's a tool to make everything better or to make something easier or to take something off your plate. And I think we need to think about it a little more like that and talk about that in the beginning that, the asking for health stigma is just, it's crazy. It is crazy. Like when you think about like our lives, there's almost nothing that's not codependent. I thought about this a lot, right? It's like, I am dependent on my partner. I'm dependent on my kids, right? Like we have this fallacy of like being independent people, but it's actually a fallacy. You know, like we all do need each other and rely on each other in some way. And I don't know what the I ask them, like, what's the shame in asking for help? Because I've, like, with, with my friends, they're like, I want you to ask me because I, in, 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 like, the second part of that sentence is because it makes me feel good that you need me. And I constantly have to remind myself that people want to feel needed as well. 100%. Oh, my gosh. In the rare and relatable <laughs> clubhouse room yesterday, I literally said this exact thing. Oh, really? <laughs> We talked about asking for help and I said, think about it from the other way. Like, I want to help you. How I would never want you to think that me helping you is making me go, man, I wish I didn't have to help her. Or man, I don't have the time to help her. Yeah. Or man, I just really don't feel like going that going there for my friend. Like, are you kidding? It's the opposite. Like me getting the chance to help you is liberating and it gives me joy and it actually like makes chemical reactions in my brain that makes me feel better and makes me happier and makes me healthier. Like all that happens when I help you is I also help me. Yeah, right. And that that's how we need to think about it. So this is really interesting. I went home for Thanksgiving and I saw an, a really old friend of mine who has a child with a rare genetic condition. And 
we cried. Literally, we like sat at a coffee table outside in the freezing cold because her child is also immunocompromised. And like these safety precautions matter, right? And you want to be around people who understand that. And we're literally just talking about stuff and crying and talking about how the difficulty in some ways of being a medical mom plus wanting to do what you want to do is just so difficult. And she asked me, and so she keeps her daughter's story private or more on the private side than I do. So I will share that I'm going through something, but I don't talk about the full diagnosis. And she asked me, she's like, does it help for you to share your story? She's like, I know it helps me to read your story, which meant a lot to me because sometimes I feel like I'm a narcissist on social media. She's like, but I do wonder, what are you getting by sharing with people? And I told her, I said, listen, it's a really deliberate decision that I share because I can see that I can get disconnected really easily. And like, I can see that I can feel alone really easily because I think the trauma is enough to make me isolate myself, right? It's enough to say, you don't understand me. I got to get away. So for me, it's a survival tactic to share. And she had said that she actually felt lonely because she wasn't sharing. So it was a really, really interesting discussion and both sides I think are hard to be honest. Oof, I think we need to have both of you on the show to actually discuss <laughs> that. <laughs> that would be amazing. And send her my way anyway. I will totally. But yeah, I mean I see I see it from both sides and I hear stories in private and I hear them on the show and I understand it and it is really interesting what isolation does to your brain and what keeping things inside does to your body. It's complicated. So complicated. Well, also, I think the workplace, like, you know, we're raising money for our startup. And I wonder a lot, what are people going to think about me? Right? On one hand, uh, I, I, I talked to someone last week and I, I, I was very clear with them about the resources I have in my life to help me make sure that I have hours to work in the day. And it made me feel really awkward <laughs> to myself, to no one else truly except myself. And that is like, all of it is hard. Like that's what's private to me is, what's private to me is that I believe strongly in the work that I've taken up in the startup wholeheartedly. I, you know, especially honestly, like I needed the boost that my friend gave me over Thanksgiving. She was like, I realized when I talked to her, she's like, every, everything is hard when you're a mom of a child who has anything. And then when they have any kind of health issue, literally, if it's extreme or serious, like yours and my situation is more, we're kind of identify as a certain type, or even if your child, you know, has kind of more typical developmental things they're facing, it's hard to be a mom and a caregiver and figure out answers. And she was telling me how she was literally training her therapist on the type of therapy that her daughter needs. And she's a lawyer, she works full time and she has three kids. And I realized when she was talking, I was like, we are always gonna be fighting. So I might as well fight for something I really believe in. And I was like, oh, this is my fight. Like my struggle is to be the caregiver who wants to work on children's health in the technology industry. That is my fight, you know? But to share that to an audience that's not like your audience is very hard for me. Wow. I hear what your friend says and that the infrastructure just isn't there yet for 
medical professionals to treat our kind of trauma and to treat our kids kind of trauma and to just generally manage the wellness of what's happening in our in our medically complex worlds. And then you coming from this badassery, like smart femtech entrepreneur and having to say it as almost like a I don't know if shame piece is the right way Mm -hmm. to say it. I know it's not. But yeah, it's like it's kind of in that genre where you're like, and this. Like a like a confession, right? That's actually exactly how I feel. Yeah, I feel Ugh. like I'm in confession all the time, <laughs> and there's always like confession with a but, right? It's like this is what's going on, but I'm available. This is what's going on, but I'm okay. You know, it's that like the the constant contradiction of who we are all the time. It's not that I'm just saying, oh yeah, you know, I'm a mom, but I'm available because I'm working. But it's it's who we are and the fullness of who we are. Like we existed before our kids. That's still true, you know? I think about what's the most important thing to me all the time, and it's my kids. I have no shame saying that. Like, and that helps me. It's like, my kids are the most important thing. I love my husband dearly, really, truly dearly. I've asked him to marry me in several future hypothetical lives. That's how much I love him. (laughs) And I would still throw him under the bus for my kids he thinks that's funny by the way he thinks it's hysterical and he understands you know but that north star helps but it's like it's a lot of but this but that but this but that you know Mm. yes oh my gosh serene we have to continue this conversation because it's important and it's digging into like the push and the pull and the stomp and <laughs> getting thrown down the stairs and then brushing yourself off like a hundred times a day and we're all doing it. And I think we need to talk about it more. Yes, I would love to. I know you're busy and you have a time schedule today. So I think we'll we'll cut it here. But if you're available, I would love to continue this conversation because I think it's really important. That would be awesome. Also, we haven't covered Web3 yet, Effie. That's like the next category. Yes. Yes. Oh, my gosh. We have so much to talk about, Serene. We have so much <laughs> to talk about. So much. I just I just want to say I have this like deep vision that I think you would, I would love your thoughts on it. But basically, I do think that Web3 is a way for like these kind of caregivers who have lost the opportunity to make fun- money in, in a formal workplace. Like, I just think there's this white space here. I will leave it at that. Sorry. No, uh, that's brilliant, actually. And I think that in so many different areas, especially in the rare community right now, that's just like, whoa, it's just like it. there's a heartbeat around it. Right. And it's just like waiting yeah. to absorb everything so it can grow and flourish. And uh, I totally I totally know what you mean. Can't wait. Oh, my God. Me either. Especially with your brain at the helm. I mean, <laughs> Well, is there anything that you want to leave our burnt out caregivers with today? The ones of us who are on the struggle bus like I was last week, 24 hours a day. I hear you. Oh, my gosh. I I think the thing that I believe in most is that all the caregiving that everyone is doing, it means something really meaningful to a parent on a similar journey. And we hope Sleuth is a place that people consider sharing their story because we know that it can help so many people. You know, I agree with that. All right. Well, Serene, thanks so much for being my guest. And thanks for just being smart and honest and open and deliberately sharing what you do, because it's really, it's really amazing. And I'm so glad I met you. So thanks for being a guest on the show. And I can't wait to have you back. Likewise. Thanks so much, Jeffrey. 
I hope you've been enjoying this podcast. If you like what you hear, please share this show with your people and please make sure to rate and review it on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also head over to Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter to connect with me and stay updated on the show. If you're interested in sharing your story or if you have anything you would like to contribute, please submit it to my website at effieparks.com. Thank you so much for listening to the show and for supporting me along the way. I appreciate you all so much. I don't know what kind of day you're having, but if you need a little pick-me-up, Ford's got you. Mm-hmm. <laughs>